we're able to connect you to get involved in small groups or maybe you want are interested in serving in some way, this is where you start, is that starting point. Um, we are really excited to announce this overflow conference that is coming up. So I am asking you guys to really mark your calendars. I already feel like God is preparing the way. He is already putting our hearts in a position to just be open to the things of God. Um, there is a special guest that is coming. His name is Dr. Dennis. He has uh, a ministry called Eagle's Wings. He goes all over the world. Um, it took, I think, a year and a half to get him to come here. Um, but he's from Uganda. Um, just a humble man of God that is on fire for the Lord. I promise you will be impacted. Um, I have never seen him personally, but I've watched his videos and I've known uh, personal people in my life that have been a part of his ministry. And just the salvations and uh, the touch of God um, is amazing. Uh, the Lord just really uses him. And I would just encourage you guys, please mark your calendars. It's going to be a really awesome time. Um, it's going to continue Sunday and Monday night. Um, we're just going to go for those first couple of days during that week. So mark off all those days. Um, and then the last thing that's kind of fun, we've got these hoodies here. They say, ask me about Jesus. How simple is that? You can get one of those. They're $35. It is to help fund and pay for Bible studies here at the church. But what a great thing to wear and just really simple. Someone might just say, hey, what's your sweatshirt say? And you can just say, hey, ask me about Jesus. It's just really simple way to share your faith and um, just kind of fun. So that's all I have for you guys. Jordan. Give Jesse a hand. Well, I'm just glad that you're worshiping with us today. Um, I, just, I just love this church. Do you just love this church? I love the family of God. I uh, love that we get to follow Jesus together. And I mean, even before service, um, it's not just like a quippy phrase. It's, it's a vision statement that I see played out all the time before service. Some of the ushers were showing me a text thread of somebody they took um, some money over to that was in their Bible study that was struggling. And they're like, she's texting them. I can't believe you guys would do this. Why would your church be so kind and compassionate? And that's just beautiful. In fact, on Thursday, uh, while I, I had a meeting and some study time allocated, I felt like East Palestine was right in our backyard and that we shouldn't be uh, missing an opportunity to serve. And so many of you dropped off water and baby formula, and we had some really beautiful conversations, um, prayer times with people. I have to share a funny story because it's my personality. Uh, it was near the end, and this lady pulls up. She rolls down her window, and she goes, you got any Trump water? And I said, no, but I got Jesus water. And my pastor friend that was with me is like, yeah, it's holy water. We'll pray with you right now. We got to pray with her. She's like, I really wanted Trump water. I'm like, trust me, the Jesus water is better. Anyway, she was really pumped about Trump. Anyway, I guess he was there th that earlier or something. And um, Anyway, so... It was really cool. <laughs> and uh, so thank you guys for uh, many of you were just giving to the Compassion Fund. Anytime on the app or on the website, if you just click the drop down Compassion and you just give a special gift, those are the kind of things it goes to. People in our community or our church family who suddenly lose a job, something happens, or an outreach like that. Uh, and then also under our FAM ministry, under Compassion is FAM. Um, in fact, we had two placements come in this this week, right? 
this week. Uh, and I just want to say you guys are going to hear more about FAM next week. We have a ministry highlight next week. But listen, some of our foster families are being given another, like a fifth and a sixth child because the need is so great. So please pray about FAM. Please check out the table next Sunday uh, because I think if everybody does their part, we can really see God do something amazing in every child. We say every child. Every child. There's a reason why we put this banner in the foyer. Every child deserves a safe and loving home. Amen? All right. Well, uh, let's pray over this offering, and then we'll dive into the sermon. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to give. We thank you for the faithfulness, God, that we're able to keep uh, just dreaming about our future and uh, casting vision, God, for the other church plants. Thank you for the pastors I met with this last week, God, that we're going to be planting uh, in the Akron area, Twinsburg area. God, thank you for the faithfulness of your people so that we can expand, so that we can see these 10 churches in 10 cities in 10 years and a revival in Ohio. God, thank you that it's not just a prayer, but we're putting the real dollars in place, the sacrificial giving. Father, I want to thank you so that these real churches with a real building, brick and mortar, can be built uh, to, to, to reach people, God, and to lead people to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I got some really cool stories about our church planters, but I'll share them another day because of time. Um, this is a very fast sermon. I'm going to go very fast because we have uh, set aside time for worship at the end. And I, I definitely want to do that. So this is going to be in fast forward. Okay, so everybody give me your best, like, buckle up uh, thing. Just kind of, yeah. It's like, it's like when Ava Harnett's driving. You just, you just buckle down extra. It's her birthday, so I had to mess with her. All right. Thomas Kelly wrote, deep within all of us, there's an amazing inner sanctuary of the soul, a holy place, a divine center, a speaking voice to which we may continuously return. And I love authors like that. Have you guys ever read A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of, Knowledge of the Holy? Like, the, these are books, these are people I, I would encourage you to be reading because it causes us to realize what we're made for. Do you know you were made for God? Do you know you were made to know God? You were made to know God. We're called to walk with God as Adam did in the cool of the day. As Enoch did in, in Genesis 5, it talks about Enoch being caught up with God. That he was so close to God, God's just like, yeah, I'm just going to bring you home. The dude didn't even die. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's awesome. Like, give me that anointing, right? Like, Jeff, give me that anointing. Just like, pff, gone, right? He was so close to God. I personally believe, you've heard me say this before, I want to say it again. According to First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 3, the glory now is even greater than the former glory. So even when you look at Adam walking the cool of the day, which is awesome, and you look at Moses in the tabernacle, and that's awesome. I mean, a pillar of fire, like that's amazing. But even now, I would say now, the glory is even greater. Let me say it like this. The opportunity for you to know God. The opportunity for you to be near to God, that you are the ark of his presence. 
on the series on Together, we talked the first couple weeks about having relationships and what it looks like to be in, in godly relationships and to be in unity and to really be the family of God who cares for one another. But today is about being together with God. That you're not so busy, that you're not in such a hurry, that, you're, that, that things of the world don't take away from the one thing, the one thing that is most precious in life, and that's knowing God. So look at the screen. I want you to embrace the practice of being with God. Brother Lawrence quotes from this classic, practice of the presence of God. In order to form a habit of conversing with God continually in referring all we do to him, we must at first apply to him with some diligence. Then after a little care, we would find his love inwardly, exire us to it without any difficulty. In other words, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, right emotions follow right actions. And if you'll put the discipline in place of being with God, if you say, I, don't, I can't wake up that early, some, you know, maybe you're a night owl. Maybe you could do your devotion at night, right? But allocate time to be with God. First Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually, right? Just as an athlete practices his skill to improve, we can practice being with God, just being with God, and sometimes not saying anything, right? So everybody just say, everybody just take a deep breath, <sighs> right? David learned this art of just being with God. In fact, how many of you remember your first, when, when you first started dating someone, actually even just getting to know someone, how many know there's a, there's an automatic pressure to talk, to fill the silence, Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? There's an audio. You see some, hey, yeah, how's it going? Oh, good. Oh, yeah. Oh, sunny today. Oh, well, it's Ohio. It's going to be 22 tomorrow. You know, it's just that you feel the conversation. But with someone that you really know well, so you get married, you can go on a car ride. You can have 20 minutes of total silence and not feel funny. In fact, that's often when the wife says, what are you thinking about? And the guy's like, nothing. Literally nothing. <laughs> and it turns into a, anyway. That's not a marriage sermon, so I didn't mean to go there. All the guys were like, no, really, it's nothing. There's just nothing happening. It's just zero to zero. <laughs> There's not even a spectrum. There's just nothing. Um, but in the silence... You don't care if it's silent because you really know that you, there's not a pressure. Why? You've, gone, you've become so comfortable with that person. Do you know your walk with God? You can have devotions where you just sit there. You say, like, what do I do? What do I do? I need, you don't have to do anything. Just be. Just be. Just, just sometimes just sit. Sometimes just turn off uh, all distractions and turn off all noise and, and uh, just grow comfortable in the quiet. Grow comfortable in the quiet. Time with God should be this mixture, right, of praying where we have needs that we present to God, desires. But guys, sometimes just be, just, just be quiet. Because sometimes God wants to talk right back to you. In fact, every time. He wants to talk right back to you. And you won't hear him if you're still talking. So grow comfortable with the quiet. 
I gave this quote uh, almost a year ago. Blaise Pascal, he's a French uh, theologian. One of his most famous quippy uh, quotes that I, I love this. And this is, guys, this is, he lived in 1623 to 1662. Tell me how wise this person was, how applicable this is today. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And a lot of our problems stem from this inability to just rest in the peace of God. This was a man who, by the way, is a brilliant. He was a mathematician and yet became this theologian. And he, he's brilliant. But he learned the art of just sitting and enjoying God's company. So how do you sit in silence with God? Well, you have to submit your thoughts to him. And by the way, sometimes for some of you, uh, it might take 20 minutes just to rid yourself of all the thoughts. Right? How many of you are like me? You're very, are any, if you're type A, raise your hand. Right? We'll know because your hand is way up. Right? Like, like, like if there's a meeting, you're in charge of it. Right? Yeah. So you have like a hundred tasks and you're going you're gonna to accomplish them all by one o'clock. Right? You got to just relax and just rest sometimes in the presence of God. Psalm 4610, Psalm 62, these are te texts I want you to just write down. One of my favorite Psalms, 27, you know, the one thing I seek the most is to be in your house, God. In fact, David says it like this, Lord, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Here he has an anointing to be king, but he's like, Lord, I'll be a doorkeeper as long as I can be near you. Do you hear that? That longing for God? Or Psalm 42 where he says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. My question for you today is what are you longing for? Because A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite quotes is, the soul's paradox of love is to have found God and continue searching. You can find God and be fully satisfied, yet then just want to keep finding God. Because he's so incredible. Like I said, I'm going to buzz through these points because I, I want us to have some time. Prayer, number three, prayer is meant to be an ongoing connection. Hurry is this great enemy of spiritual life. Richard Crisco said one time, he's a mentor of mine in Bible college, he said, Jesus never ran anywhere. And I was like, oh. That convicted me. I run everywhere. I'm wired exactly like my dad. Used to drive. Have you, has anybody ever golfed with my dad and torn your Achilles in the process? Right? And now I find myself doing this with my kids. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And then I'm like, I need to relax. Sometimes my kids look at me, chill. And then I'm like, I said that to my dad 30 years ago. It's like those progressive commercials. We can't help you. We can't stop you from becoming your parents. <laughs> but we can save you 15%. Every time I watch that commercial, I feel convicted. You have to slow down. <laughs> you don't need to hurry. And for some of you, maybe you need to create more margin. That was the word for, that God gave me for the year was you need to create more margin. You, does it, you guys know what I mean by margin? I don't mean butter. 
I know some of you, everybody, like half the church just went like this. I don't mean margarine, margin, time uh, in your schedule. There's more time. So instead of like an hour, 20 minutes, or for some of you, maybe it's like, you know, I just read it. I just read a verse when I get in the car. That's great. That's a great starting place. But maybe block off, maybe block off an hour of nothingness. It's just an appointment with you and God. And here's the thing. Because God's the most important thing in the world, you're not changing it. Someone calls you, hey, can you, oh, I have an appointment. You see? I have an appointment. It's with, it's with the most important person in the world. Who is it? Oh, it's Jesus. Oh, I don't want to mess that up. It's supposed to be an ongoing com, um, c- connection. 1 Thessalonians 5, look at this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Pray without ceasing. Guys, it means that when you're on, when you're on your break, your 15-minute break at work, sometimes just don't, don't open Facebook. Right? We, we have this culture that is so, like people can't even get on an elevator. You know, you got 20 seconds and it's like, <sighs> I mean, I'm about to preach to you. Some of you can't even go to the bathroom without looking at your phone. I don't, you know, I just let that speak to you. I know that was a little gross. I'm sorry about that. But put the distractions away. And just sit with God. And, and sometimes praying without ceasing is just talking to God and saying, hey, God, this is, this is what's going on in my, in my home, and Lord, I need wisdom with this. Or it's just, God, I love you. God, I worship you. I thank you, God, that you put breath in my lungs today. How would your day start different? How, how different would your day be if you began with, God, thank you for the breath in my lungs your whole way to work. You just, God, thank you. Thank you for the house that I have. Thank you that my car is working. And for some of you, that's a miracle. I talk to you. The radio, everything's always broke on your car. And if it gets you to A to B, it's a miracle. How many say that's a miracle for some of you, right? And when you get there, thank, thank you, God. I'm pray, that's praying without ceasing. You're talking with a boss. You're talking with a manager who's flustered and they're worked up and some customer's mad. In the back of your mind, go, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? That's praying without ceasing. God, how do you want me to respond to this upset person right now? That's praying without ceasing. That's praying without ceasing. It's all the time. It's not a 10-minute window. It's praying without ceasing. Jesus regularly looked took time away and spent with the Father to rest, to recharge, to be encouraged, to hear the Father's voice. This is an ongoing. And if Jesus needed time with God, we do too. Yes, I know Jesus is God, but he was submitted to uh, the Father, and he needed time with God. Number four, approach the presence of God with an open hand. Can everybody just have an open hand for a minute? I want to say what I said earlier, okay? Okay, you put your hands down. I just want you to understand something. I think it's because of, like, social media, you know, everybody has to voice their opinion on all things. It's a little maddening. Um, approach the things of God 
with an open hand uh, and an open mind, right? I said this last week, I want to say it again. Be very careful not to call things that God is doing evil or bad or not revival. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before Jesus, right? You know, again, I, I shook under a pew for like a half an hour, my roommate said. It's not everywhere. It's disgusting. I went to the bathroom. I was covered in snot. And I was like, what just happened? All I knew was I had a vision of the lion, a lion's eye, like the lion of tribe of Judah changing me. It put a, such a fear of God in me. It changed me forever. It's the most dramatic encounter I've ever had, had with God. That was weird. That was weird. That was not in the order of service. You get what I'm saying? You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I was saying to God, do whatever you want to do in my life. Have an open hand. And sometimes revival looks like you bowing down. And sometimes it looks like you mentoring a, a, a teen at TCCS or fostering a child. You say, are those two connected? Yeah. Jesus said, I will send my prophet Elijah. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. I personally think the last great awakening is not just long services. It's the church solving the orphan crisis. Can I say it again? I personally think the last great awakening is not just long worship services. It's the church solving the orphan crisis. Because Jesus says, before I come back, I'll send the spirit of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So revival, revival looks like a lot of things. But I know this, it looks different all the time. At the Bay of the Holy Spirit revival, there was tons of people being healed, healed. Lydia knew the woman who walked out of the wheelchair. She was bound in her wheelchair for decades. Had no, no feeling, spine down, no muscle tissue. And she walked and continued to walk and was healed. Who thinks that's awesome? Right? And Asbury right now is still just this presence, just this abiding rest. In Brownsville, it was salvation. There was miracles, but it was salvations primarily. And, and I'm just saying, God, whatever you want to do, I just want him to move. I'm going to ask Danielle and Will and River to come up because we're just going to worship for a little bit as we end. And as they're coming, I want to tell you this story from John chapter 4. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and departed for Galilee. He came to pass through Samaria, he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, retired from his journey, was sitting beside the well the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came up. Just nod your head if you're familiar with this story, right? Probably most of you. If it's new to you, I want to read this. I want to tell you this story. Jesus said, give me a drink, right? And by the way, it's not that he's being demanding and chauvinistic, right? He's not saying, give me a drink, woman. It's not, it's, he's, he know, he's saying, hey, give me a drink. He, he has probably a little half smile because he knows what's about to happen, right? Samaritan woman says, well, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, Samaritan? You see, there was this racial divide. 
Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it was that was talking to you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everybody say living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. I, it's so funny to me when people don't get the metaphor. Like at the end of this, the, he says, I have food that none of you have. I don't need food. And all the disciples go, did you give him lunch? I didn't give him lunch. I didn't have a sandwich. Did you have a sandwich? <laughs> like he's like, no, he has li he's living water. So the woman said, you don't have anything to draw with. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that, that I give him will spring waters of life. I think it was prophetic that we were singing about that this morning, right? Did you know that was in my, you didn't know that was in my uh, sermon. So listen to this. The woman says, well, give me this water and I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to draw water. Jesus says, well, go call your husband. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. The woman said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Let me pause for a minute, by the way. So she perceives that he is a prophet. But I want you to understand something I heard the other day. I thought that was, it was such a good challenge because it could be very true. A lot of times when we've read this scripture, we've actually read it from, the, from this mindset that maybe... And again, we don't know exactly, but maybe she was a prostitute of sorts. But I heard this uh, pastor the other day say, you know, it's possible because of that culture, because of the laws of being widowed, of marrying a relative, of being divorced, it's possible that she was living in great shame. So it's not, it may, it may be not so much that Jesus was addressing her sin, but her shame. You've been left by one, two, three, four, five. You see? And Jesus is saying, but I see you. And I love you. I see you. And I love you. So he, in understanding this moment where she thinks that he's just a prophet, she says, well, hey, there's this big argument over where people should worship. Our fathers worship there. You say in Jerusalem. Jesus said, woman... Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father because you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Salvation is from the Jews. The hour is coming and it is now when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth. Everybody say spirit and truth. Here's what he's saying. It doesn't matter the instruments that you're using. It doesn't matter the type of building that you have. It doesn't matter if, the, if you say, well, their worship service is 42 minutes, theirs is 22 minutes, so we didn't really worship today because it didn't go over 20. No, don't, don't think like that. Instead, just worship from a place of genuine spirit and truth. We're going to dim the lights a little bit. I want you to just close your eyes. And let's be a people who learns to worship in spirit and and in truth, and let's go of cultural things that would distract us. You see, she was distracted by an argument. Wow, I wonder how many Christians are distracted by an argument. A theological stance. 
Instead, what would it look like for you to say, Jesus, I can worship you in my Nissan, in my Altima, in my Honda, in my break room, in my living room. It doesn't matter where I am. I can worship you in spirit and in truth. I can be alone with you. I can be working outside in a cold day in Ohio and I can have the peace of the presence of Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? We worship you, God. So as you learn these songs, just sing along, but don't even feel the need to sing. You can just rest.
Church, when we're overflowing with joy and peace and love, it's got to spill. Just like um, Jeff said, Jeremiah, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. So God, I pray that you fill your church with joy that is overflowing and love that is overflowing and peace that is overflowing so that their eyes are off them and their eyes are on the hurting. song in a minute called The More I Seek You. And the lyrics are talking about the more I fix my eyes on you, God, the more I know you and the more I love you. You see, some of you don't know why you're not satisfied. You feel a, I'm not satisfied in life. Can I tell you something? Only Jesus will satisfy you. Can you just bow your head, just close your eyes. You can, you can just rest right where you are. You can kneel. But you need to understand something. If you'll just seek God. He says, if you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. He says, if you seek me with all of your heart.
Jesus, show us your love. Teach us, God, what Mary understood when she sat at your feet.
And God, while we know it's important to do things for you, help us to remember it's never more important than to be with you. You said of Mary that she has found the most important thing, the one thing most important that you would not take it from her. So God, for anybody in this room that this is new for and they're, they say, I'm not comfortable, I need, I need to go, I need to, 